So let's bow our heads for a word of prayer, okay? Lord, we thank you so much as we were singing tonight for the time that you spent in this world for our sins. Life, Christianity, and coming to church and, you know, doing whatever we do. And we get really caught up in ministry that I believe that most Christians miss God. They miss the Christ in Christianity. They miss the God who made us. And so, I believe that the single most important element in your experience, your Christianity, is getting to know God and your relationship with God. And... I've talked with you about this before. Maybe some of you have been in this seminar, but if you haven't, uh, I want to talk with you about it tonight. I'd like you to turn to Philippians chapter 1. Not chapter 1, I mean chapter 3. And verse 7. Chapter 3 and verse 7. Paul is writing, and he's writing about his personal experience, and he says, I once thought all these things were so very important, But now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. Yes, everything is worthless when compared with the priceless gain of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. There's a story in the Gospels of a merchant and he, he deals in jewels. And he finds this pearl uh, in his searching this pearl of great value, unlike any other pearl that <clears throat> he's ever seen. And the story goes, as Jesus told it, that he either made a deal with the merchant, we don't know, or he hid it. You know how sometimes you've ever been in a, like Dayton's or something, you find a really good deal and there's only one left and you tuck it way behind the clothes and then you come back later and you try to find the one that you hid from everybody. I don't know if you've ever done that, but I must confess I've done it. I, di- I didn't steal it, I came back and bought it, you know, but... I didn't want anyone else to get to it. It's kind of how I felt when I met my wife. I actually still feel that way about her today. I felt like I just kind of struck oil, struck gold, and I better do something before someone else gets this girl. And uh, I better make my move. You know, I've been making my move ever since. But anyway, (laughs) and and so this guy, the Bible tells us that he goes out and sells everything that he has to come and buy this one pearl, this one priceless object. I have a close friend <clears throat> who's fallen in love recently and and the Lord's doing some pretty neat things in this relationship and it's been it's been very interesting to watch how fresh young love is. And it's really challenged me. They, these two individuals really love the Lord. And as I've been watching, it's just really challenged me to go, you know what? I can I can become an old man in love. I can become sort of boring and sort of stale and I really enjoy watching young Christian men and women, you know, uh, seek the Lord and then discover each other and then fall just wildly in love with one another and they want to talk to each other and be around each other and and visit and share with each other and they just never get tired of each other, you know, but I've been at this 20 years. And to be honest, it's really easy to become, oh, not as tender. I've been watching this individual and the tenderness they show to this young lady and it's really challenged me to, to go, you know what, Lord, I need to change. You know, I need to change. I need to do the kind of things, you know when Jesus says in Revelation, but I have this one thing against you. You've left your first love. You've left your, you've left your first love. Return to the way you were back then. 
And I thought about that so often <clears throat> in my relationship with Kathy that God, you know, certainly there's been things in my life that have grown and I'm very glad they've grown and they've changed since then. But then there's other things sometimes that the love isn't maybe so bright. We don't keep it as polished up. We aren't maybe as excited to see one another. Sometimes maybe uh, you can call a loved one on the phone and and it's not quite like it was when you first met. And it's like, well, yeah, okay, do you have anything like really important to say? Because, you know, I'm, I'm in the middle of something. You'd have never, you'd have never, ever, ever said that when you first met. And in fact, I would venture $100 that none of us would have even said that until after the day we were married. During all the engagement, all the courting, I don't care if it was 1 in the morning, it was 3 in the morning, if it was 10 at night, it's like, oh, oh. Oh, it's so nice to hear your voice. Oh, just talk, just talk. I don't care whatever you tell, just talk. Just, I'll just sit on the phone and just listen. Oh, I don't care if it's my cell phone. I don't care if it's $300 this month. Just talk. And then time goes on, and uh, quite frankly, happens to all of us. And I have to regularly stir up my own heart. Um, not because my wife is unlovable, but because I'm so carnal. And because I can become so fleshly and, and maybe just hardened and, and not as tender and not as sensitive and, and not as just lighted up when she walks in the room and, and I need to repent of that because God wants my love for him and for her to be like fresh and one of the things I like about Subway you ever want to or going into a bakery who loves stale bread you like stale bread I do not like stale bread and I do not like stale love and the saddest thing of all is so many marriages is stale love it's just stale you know, oh, just don't touch me, and oh, just no, no, I don't know. I got other things to do, and and and, and for that period of our life, <clears throat> when you're 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 fresh in love, you just the boat doesn't matter, the snowmobile doesn't matter. She's better than a hunting gun, you know. And then all of a sudden you get married, and well, you know, maybe you'd rather shop than hang out with him, and maybe he'd rather hang out with the guys than hang out with you. And what happened? It's like people go, well, life happened, and I. I don't mean, you know, we have to be all over one another, but the fact of the matter is we all know time passes, time passes, and we just become not quite as interested. We become not quite as focused, not quite as uh, passionate. We do that with the Lord. We do that with the Lord. I, <clears throat> being at the Rock, you know, has um, allowed me to be around some young people who uh, whose lives have been pretty messed up, and and one of these young people, I, myself and my family have gotten to know in a pretty significant way. And, and um, her life, <clears throat> before she came to Christ, uh, was pretty bad. And, and it was, she was a wild child. If there was ever a wild child, she was one. And last February, uh, just out of the blue, she dropped by our home. And, and I had the privilege of sharing Christ with her. And, and she decided that evening later on, she told me to commit the whole rest of her life to Christ and since then, she's written some emails, or and, and she's obviously a very prolific writer, but it's just an extraordinary thing to see the 180-degree turnaround that's gone on in her life, and where, where uh, men used to be her focus, now Christ is her focus, and she's just so in love with the Lord. And it challenged me. Young love challenges me, both for the Lord and for, you know, someone who's fallen in love. It challenges me. Because I do not want to grow old and stale. And it reminds me that my Christianity is really about loving God and being in love with Him and being in love with Him and knowing Him. Knowing Him. And as I watch these 
young people in love, it's so interesting how they just they think of themselves as these um oh these these treasures that they each one is discover and get to know and then you know we get married and go well there's only so much you can know about the person and and uh, but really there isn't you know people are just such complex creatures and there's so much more to learn about them and and I've watched them go about this and they just want to know each other and they share this and they share that and then they share things back and forth and I thought you know Lord you're the infinite one. You are the unexhaustible, uh, uh, un, totally, I mean, you never get to the end of what you could know about God. It's like kind of a never-ending page. You read about Him here and His exploits and then we could turn a page and there'd be something you'd never read about before. And it could go on and on and on and on and on and on and, and inexhaustibly, infinitely, on and on for eons of time. And yet... <clears throat> How easy it is for us, isn't it, to get bored with the Lord? How easy it is not to feel this in our heart anymore. Yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the priceless gain of knowing Christ my Lord. I remember when I came to Christ and I committed my life to the Lord, uh, I had one, but one passion, and that was to know the Lord. To know the Lord. To know the Lord. And, you know, I've struggled over the years to keep that my focus. I keep working at it. Sometimes I may go a little here, I may go a little there. But I just keep trying. I want to know the Lord. I want to know the Lord because the more I know the Lord, the more of the Lord I reflect to the world. And the more I know the Lord, the more the world will, He will be known to the world through me. It's kind of, you remember the story of Moses when he came down off the mountain and, and Moses was unlike any man. God talked to him. God talked to him face to face. And when Moses came down on the mountain, he glowed. He glowed. And, and I'll be honest with you, I think that one of the reasons why there's such powerless Christianity so often throughout the world but in America is because we don't spend the time with God that would send us effervescent into the world, glowing. Have you ever, um, <clears throat> when you were a kid, <clears throat> they don't do this much anymore, but when I was in Sunday school, when I was a little kid, you'd get this picture of Jesus, and, um, and it was in that fluorescent, uh, off-white stuff that if you hold up to a light, and then you go into a dark room, it glows. I- any of you ever see that? They still have some of that kind of stuff for kids. And the thing, the thing you had to real- realize is that once it was away from the light long enough, it no longer glowed. And you get it back in the presence of the light, close to the light, it absorbs however it does. I don't know the scientific chemical reaction that makes it work, but it does. I know this. I know that men and women who spend time regularly knowing God are very effective at making Him known to others. Men and women who spend time with God, who look to Him, you know what the Bible says? They look to Him and were radiant and their faces were never ashamed. Another version of what it means by ashamed is their faces were not downcast. You think for a moment how often we're downcast. How often life gets us down. How often things get us down. One of the primary reasons is because our eyes are off Him and and we're not in His presence. We're not doing what some call practicing the presence of God in our life. And we're practicing the presence of problems. and, And we're engulfed in them. And we allow them... We allow them to fill our thoughts and fill our mind 
the book of Isaiah says, Thou will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee. But we don't have peace because our mind isn't on him, because we're not absorbed with him, we're absorbed with life. And life does just the opposite of the light. The light makes you glow. The life, life in the world and its problems sucks the juice right out of you. It doesn't make you effervescent. It doesn't make you light-hearted. Light-hearted. It doesn't make you encouraged. It does just the opposite. It discourages you. It makes us want to give up. It makes us want to give in. Now, we have two solutions. Quit living life, which no God does not want us to do. Or spend time on a regular basis and learn how even in our busy days to bring Him into our life and bring us into His presence and practice the presence of God in our life and be with Him and get to know Him and be absorbed with Him and as we are absorbed with Him He absorbs Himself in us and it reflects to the world. I'd like you to turn to Psalm 89. Psalm 89. There is no higher pursuit in life than the pursuit of God. There is none. I think about individuals I know. I know some individuals who are... We'll start with fishing. We'll go to some other things in a moment. And they really try really hard to learn everything they can about fishing. How to find a fish. They go find those fish finders. And they go, you get their little trolling motor and, you know, everything's just right and they get their little lures and they keep them all organized and they read up and they order Field and Stream or Fishing Magazine and they're always trying to improve their knowledge and their understanding of fishing. Nothing wrong with fishing. You know, I don't want anybody to think I, I think fishing's sin. I don't. What I think sin, what I think's a travesty, what I think is, is, is just so sad is that we don't give that same tenacity to God. Or I know people who strive so hard to be great at an instrument. Or they, or they love music and so they, they, they just get every new thing that's out there and they listen to it and they listen to it and they're absorbed in it. Nothing wrong with music, nothing wrong with being good at an instrument. But are you good with God? Are you good with God? Do you know Him? Do you really know Him? And does He really know you? And do you really experience Him in your life That's what Christianity is about. And that's why so many Christians burn out. You never burn out when you're being absorbed with God. When you're practicing, pursuing Him and knowing Him and walking in love with Him. And beginning to understand His attributes and what He's like. But that takes time. And that takes commitment. And today, in our modern society, many people do not have time in their busy life to include a developing and growing, all-consuming relationship with God. And yet it's so interesting to me. It just, and I'm always going to be honest with you, it's just so fascinating to me to watch people who, maybe they're, they travel all over the world with their job, they have massive pressures, and they fall in love. And all of a sudden, the person who is busy and had no time has all the time they need to talk to email, to go out, to do whatever. You know why? Because they make it. Because it's become their life priority in their life. Because they feel it. Because there's an emotional connection and they want to know the person. They'll call them from London. They'll call them from Hong Kong. They'll find a way to make that relationship go because they want it 
more than anything else in the world. Now, you know the Bible tells us <clears throat> the first and greatest commandment is you should love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Let's put it another way. God wants you to want Him. God wants you to want Him. And He wants you to want Him more than anything else you want. Doesn't mean you don't have other things. Doesn't mean you don't want other things. It means you want Him most. You want Him most. <clears throat> Nothing makes uh, my wife as happy, if you know what I mean when I say this, than knowing that I want her and her alone. I don't want another woman. I don't want anyone. I want her. And I remind her of that regularly. And I don't just mean sexually. I mean, Kathy, I want you. I decided 20 years ago, or 23 actually, to, 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 to spend and give the best of me in my life to you. I want to spend my life with you. I want to grow old with you. And I mean, I want that today as I wanted it then. I love you. I care about you. The object of my affection. I love you. And I want, and every day that I have with you, I just think, every day, I make it a habit in my life because I know how my flesh is like. Every day I thank God for my wife. I thank Him. I mean, out loud, thank you for that girl, Lord. A lot of times I'll introduce her if I take her to the rock or other places and I just say, this is my girlfriend. And I just do it on purpose because people look at you different. You know, it's different when you say it's your girlfriend than it's your wife. You ever notice that? It's your wife. Oh, nice to meet you. It's your girlfriend. Oh, there's excitement there. It's so interesting how people sometimes say, oh, this is my mistress. I don't, I don't work sometimes what I have to say to shake people up. But it just kills me how boring marriages get. How boring love gets. And we let it get that way. And when the same thing is true with God. We let it get that way. God is never boring. My wife, yes, she is. And so am I. God never is. He is never boring. He is never obsolete. He never tarnishes. He never disappoints. In Psalm 89, verse 6. <clears throat> For who in all of heaven can compare with the Lord? What mightiest angel is anything like the Lord? The highest angelic powers stand in awe of God. He is far more awesome than those who surround His throne. O Lord God Almighty, where is there anyone as mighty as you, Lord? Faithfulness is your very character. You are the one who rules the oceans. When their waves rise in fearful storms, you subdue them. <clears throat> you are the one who crushed the great sea monster. You scattered your enemies with your mighty arm. The heavens are yours. The earth is yours. Everything in the world is yours. You created it all. You created north and south, Mount Tabor, Mount Hermon. Praise your name. Powerful is your arm, strong is your hand. Your right hand is lifted high in glorious strength. Your throne is founded on two strong pillars. Righteousness and justice, unfailing love and truth walk before you as attendants. Happy are those who hear the joyful call to worship. For they will walk in the light of your presence, Lord. They rejoice all day long in your wonderful reputation. They exalt in your righteousness. You are their glorious strength. Our power is based on your favor. I was thinking of that phrase, they rejoice all day long in your wonderful reputation. Do you? That's the question. Do you? Do you rejoice all day long? As you walk into your car, and maybe you're driving to work, or you're driving to a sales call, or you're driving the kids to soccer, you're driving the kids to the grocery store, or you're just driving together. Do you? At that moment, Rejoice in God. I've been <clears throat> working to make it a habit sometimes, so I get in my car. 
Again, it's not wrong to listen to your radio. I listen to my radio. But often I'll also turn my radio off. Today I was coming back from work and I just turned it off. And all the way home, I just took the time, thank you, Lord. Thank you, you're in this car with me. Thank you that you're in my life. Lord, you're doing so many amazing things in my life. I just don't deserve them. Thank you, God, for you. Thank you that you're so faithful. Thank you that you're so merciful to me. Thank you for your goodness. Lord, I just rejoice in who you are. That's what we mean by your reputation. By your reputation. David was a man after the Lord's heart. I'd like you to turn to Psalm 63 and we'll see this again. You know, never fear that even though you may be a person who loves God, you're going to make mistakes. David did. God never held them against him. Now he suffered. There are consequences to sin. When David took Bathsheba, there were great consequences to it. David, I'm sorry to say, was a pathetic father. I don't understand it. I just determined not to imitate it. But David, in his heart of hearts, he loved God. And, of course, you have to understand that in the Old Testament, David was not a regenerated person. No one in the Old Testament was. That is, by the way, if I could just say real quickly, one of the reasons why the Old Testament is so different than the New and why God allowed Old Testament saints to get away with things it would seem that He doesn't in the New Testament. It's because in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit did not come in and permanently live in you and you were not a new creation in Christ. You were the old you and God lived a while with you, but He could leave. But you were not brand new. But David writes here, Oh God, you are my God. I earnestly search for you. My soul thirsts for you. My whole body longs for you in this parched and weary land where there is no water. I've seen you in your sanctuary and gazed on your power and glory. Your unfailing love is better to me than life itself. How I praise you. I will honor you as long as I live. Lifting up my hands to you in prayer, you satisfy me more than the richest of foods. I will praise you with songs of joy. I lie awake thinking of you, meditating on you through the night. I think how much you've helped me. I sing for joy in the shadow of your protecting wings. I follow close behind you. Your strong right hand holds me securely. This passage, I go over it a lot in my life because I want my life with the Lord to be like this. And, and, and I just want to, the Lord to know, Lord, I want you. I search for you. I search for you. I don't know if you've ever gone out for a friend and maybe it's their birthday or, or maybe it's Christmas. And you've searched for just the perfect gift. And you walk and you walk. Maybe you go to the Mall of America and you walk and you walk. And you go to one shop. No, that doesn't strike. You know no, that's not it either. And you look and you look and finally... After hours of stress, pushing through the crowds, you find this one special gift that you have to have for that person. That's what we mean by earnestly seeking the Lord. You go search for Him. You search for Him in His Word. You get time alone and you search through your heart and, you, and you're, you're not afraid to work over your hard, hard heart. You know, a lot of times, again, there's so many incredible parallels between the love of, between a man and a woman and the love between us and God. It's interesting to me how often after marriage, how long it can take a woman to warm up to intimacy. In courting, it was split seconds. Of course, then you weren't supposed to do it. 
We all know this. You all know this. Because you've lived it. You lived through it. And it was just like, oh my gosh, you had to watch yourself because it was going to happen. Then you get married, and it's like, okay, five hours. You think five hours is enough to warm up to something? You know why? You know why that happens? You know why that happens? Because we don't work over our pathetic heart and mind. And you know what we do? And especially, I'll tell you this, ladies. This is one of the reasons ladies have trouble. Of course, men, they have their own set of problems. Men and women, what happens with both of us is we tarnish that person's reputation in our own mind. We don't keep ourselves in that state anymore because we're pissed off at them. We're bothered by things they do. We're frustrated with them. We hold things against them. We got little resentments, little bitternesses, or we just don't keep ourselves fresh, ready to just give ourselves to them. And of all before we're married, oh my gosh, you know, all these promises, I'm yours, oh I'm yours, oh I just want to give myself. Then you get married and oh, that goes pretty quick. And then the next thing you know, you have to work through that period in your life when it's, it's just a duty, just part of my responsibility. Oh, that's exciting. <clears throat> and it's sad. And I'm tired of the excuses. Well, I had this upbringing, I had that upbringing. It's nothing more than sin. It's sin in our lives. It's the unwillingness to repent, turn from it, and do what's right. It's the unwillingness to keep our heart soft towards the person. Soft and broken and humble in our heart. The same thing is true with God. We have to work over our heart, and I work over my heart with Kathy, or I would be just as bored and mundane and wanting to drift as anybody else. I work over my heart. I do not allow myself to go to bed at night thinking about the things that pissed me off. I repent of them. I forgive her in my heart, and then I place in my mind as a force of my will the good, noble, wonderful things about that lady until, until I work my heart to the point that it puts a smile on my face and I am so glad I got her. And that's obedience. And if you don't know how to do that, you will not have an exciting marriage and you will not have an exciting walk with God. That's what it's about. It's about working over your carnal flesh. See, in heaven, can I just tell you a secret? In heaven, you won't have any of this struggle. It's going to be gone. It's gone. It's gone. That's what I can't wait about heaven. The stinking, crappy flesh is gone. No more struggle anymore. Which every day, every day I'm going to feel all the things that I get to feel just momentarily here. It's no more struggle. I'm just going to feel, oh Lord Jesus, you're the best thing that ever happened to me. See, brother and sister, I don't know if you understand this. Maybe you do, maybe you don't. The most powerful instrument in your body is your mind. The most influential thing in your entire life is your mind and the thoughts that you allow your mind to think and the thoughts that you put in your mind. All attitudes, all feelings, all emotions flow from what you do with your mind. And I get so sick and tired of people telling me, I can't help my mind, I can't help my mind. That's crap. That is crap. You have the Holy Spirit of God in your life. And you have a will. And you can make choices. And you know what? You have to make the same choice as I do. And I have to go out in my garage and kick my fat, stinking butt in the rear. And look my soul deep inside and say, Lord, I'm wrong. Thank you. I don't want to say thank you. I'm not a thankful person by nature. I'm a negative person by nature. I could bring you down so fast. 
And I go into that garage and I just walk and thank you, Lord. And I, sometimes I grit my teeth. Thank you for saving me. I don't deserve it. Thank you, Lord, for this house. Thank you, Lord, for this situation. Thank you that you're building me. And I go and I go over and over my heart until when I was a kid, my mother had a uh, meat hammer tenderizer. It had all these little points on it. You remember it looked like a checkerboard diagonal? And she'd take out that piece of chicken or that steak or that pot roast and she'd beat it. Bam, bam, bam. Stinking tough steak. Bam, bam, bam. So that it was tender for her family to eat. And you know what? You better believe you need to take the hammer of God to your hard, pathetic heart. Bam, bam, bam. Take that heart. Take that. Or you will spend the rest of your life ruled by your negative, pathetic emotions. And I refuse that. I refuse that. That is not my birthright. My birthright is to enjoy the Lord and enjoy my life and enjoy my family and enjoy and be intoxicated with the wife of my youth and I will not settle for anything less. I refuse. I refuse. And not a person in this room tonight that doesn't have the same ability and the same power because all the power of God lives in you through Jesus Christ. And you can have the same. You can do the same thing. If you make a commitment to it, if you go after it, and this is what God wants us to do. This is the humble individual who tenaciously says, I want God. I want God. And I'm going to go after God. And I'm going to go after Him. I've been going after God for a long time, but i got to go after Him more. So you, we, can't, we can't ride. See, with the Lord, and the same is true in love. You can't ride on the first 10 years of marriage 20 years later. You can't do that. No relationship will sustain on the past. You might have nice, fond memories. But when you're living with the person, you know, some of you ladies, some of you guys, maybe you have a friend from high school or a friend from college. And whenever you see each other, you go, oh, it's just like we picked off right where we left off. Do you know why? Do you know there's only one reason why? Because you don't live with the little sinner every day. You don't live with their heathen, pathetic flesh. Well, you'd see all the crap in them. And then there'd be a lot of strain and tension. But with your spouse, oh, oh my, with your spouse, you live with them every day. And you better believe you can't live on the past. So what I do, is the only thing in the past I live on is all the wonderful memories. I go over them and over them and over them. And I feed on them. And then I want to make new ones. And then I want to make new ones. Same thing is true with the Lord. I live in the past. I think about, oh, Lord did this. Lord did that. Lord did this. It excites me. I want to see the Lord do more. I got to know the Lord like this. He brought me to this point in my life. I want to know Him more. I want to know Him more. You cannot fly on jet fumes in the Christian life. You have to keep the tank full. You have to keep filling it. You have to keep filling it. Just like you go to the gas station. Years ago, you know, some of you are maybe too young to know this, but you didn't used to have to fill your own gas tank. Someone else did it for you. Now, you know, men, women, doesn't matter if the ladies are out there in their nice little clothes and the gas fumes getting up their nose and they're holding the little nozzle and standing there in the freezing cold. Used to be a gentleman just wouldn't let a lady do that. Now we all got to do it, you know. We just go there, you do it. You got to fill your own spiritual tank. See, I can't do that for you. You know, I give my life. I would talk till I could talk no more. If I could never speak again to try to motivate you, that's all I can do. I can motivate, I can instruct, I can encourage, I can challenge, I can show you how, but oh my goodness, brother and sister, I cannot do it for you. 
I, I can't get in your pocket. I can't walk with you all day and go, ah, jab you in the side. Hey, don't let that attitude go. Kick it in the butt. Get it out of your mind. Get, get that crap right out. Just kick it out. Put something good there in its place. You have to do that. But you've got the power to do that. You've got the ability to do that. And empower yourself because God lives in you. And this is what David said, you know, so many times he would say, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless, you know, can I tell you something? You do yourself a big favor if you learn to rant and rave like I do. You know, you can't go out to your garage and say, Bless the Lord, O my soul, all that is within me, bless His holy name. You've got to engage yourself. See? It, haven't you ever in a sense of shout to the Lord? Hallelujah, Lord. Shout, Lord. Hey, Lord. Hey, Lord. Lord! You know, my voice, see, it's cracking on me. I feel like a teenager sometimes. Just so unpredictable. What I do sometimes, often, is I go and open my Bible, some of these psalms I know, and I just say it like I'm presenting it in the theater. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless His holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul. And don't you forget any of His benefits, Mark. He's pardoned all your sin. He's healed all your diseases. He crowns your years with good things. You see that? Emotion, affection. That's why you like listening to me. Can you imagine if I stood up here and say, I'd like to talk with you tonight about God, God's Word. God is so precious to me. Please turn to Psalm 89, 6 through 18. There's not really only one reason you listen. Well, there's two reasons. One is because it's a God thing. If it wasn't, you'd just throw me out of here. But the second is because I'm so dramatic and I'm so energetic and I tell you how I feel. Otherwise, you wouldn't give me the time of day. You wouldn't give me the time of day. Now, if you want your life to grow with God, then you've got to work over the heart. Work over the heart using the tools God gave you. Your mind, your mouth, and your body. And speak it. And talk to the Lord. And get to know Him. And seek Him. Go after God. The Bible says in Hosea 6.3, So let us know, let us press on to know the Lord. And He will come to us like the spring rain watering the earth. Brothers and sisters, it's time we accept our responsibility. We just stop blaming Him and go, You know what, Lord? fact of the matter is I've been dry. You know why? Because I haven't had the spring rain. And you know why? Because I haven't been seeking the Lord. Because you promised that if I press on to know the Lord, You would come to me like the spring rain watering my earth. And, and I've been kind of dry, Lord, because, well, the fact of the matter is, I never have gone to my garage. I don't even go to a lonely place to pray. I never communicate with you in an energetic and passionate way. It's, but it's so interesting to me, I get, get some guys, they'll be talking to you about their football team. Whoa, do they get going. Their wives only wish that they would talk to them like that. Or they get talking about, you know, I don't know, their motorcycle or some hobby that they have and... Boy, we just need to energize ourselves. So many struggles, insecurities, problems, and phobias in our lives would be averted if we knew the Lord better. Averted means avoided. We'd miss Him. If we knew the Lord better. If we knew the Lord better. I, I've gone over that verse. My mother taught it to me when I was three. Thou wilt, kids, the King James Version, Thou wilt keep Him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on Thee. When my mind, when God fills my mind's eye and I'm thinking about Him and thinking about what He's like and who He is and discovering Him 
You know, see, I used to think Christianity was just all about doing things. Go to here, I gotta do this, I'm doing that, I'm doing this, I'm serving you, Lord. I've told my wife this before. I said, Kathy, I said, I want to tell you something. I didn't marry you to have our babies, wash the clothes, take care of, rub my back, give me food, scratch my back, and uh, sew the clothes. That's a byproduct of love. I married you because I want to spend my life with you. I wanted your companionship more than anyone else I've ever met. I wanted to be with you. I wanted to be with you. Do you understand that? I want to be with you. I like to sit at a table and just look at her. I carry pictures around with me in my notebook. Whenever I'm in a plane, I just open, I look at her. When she's 18, when she's 32, when she's now, she's hardly changed a bit. I just look at her. I just stare at her. I'm just such a lucky guy. I like to be in her presence. I like to be in her company. Now, yes, we have life and we have lots of things going on. And we don't get all the time that I wished we could, but sacrifices have to be made. The world's dying and going to hell. So we make those sacrifices. But brother and sister, we can't sacrifice our time with the Lord. We can't sacrifice our time with Him. I want to give you just a few things, four things really, that you can do to get to know the Lord better. The first is, read about Him in your Bible. Study and ponder what God is like. I don't know if you know this, but there's books out there, they're called a concordance. And in the concordance, every word, you can also get this on CD-ROM or software if you're a computer type person. And you can look up, for example, the word God. And it will show you, in order from beginning to end of the Bible, every verse where the word God is used. So like if you have it in your computer, you can just punch in the word God, print out all the papers, carry them with you when your spare time, look up every verse where God is used. And often you'll discover, guess what I found? It's the most used word in the Bible. <laughs> surprise, surprise. <clears throat> There's like seven, eight, ten pages. God, 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 God. You begin to read them. Psalms. You could just start in the book of Psalms. <clears throat> Take this section of Psalms and look up every verse and you would see these awesome things, awesome truths about God, things you discover about God, things you learn about God that then you learn to rely on because you've come to know them. They're in His Word. The second thing, okay, is found in Psalm 25. I'd like you to turn there. Psalm 25 and verse 14. Friendship with the Lord is reserved for those who fear Him. With them He shares the secrets of His covenant. My eyes are always looking to the Lord for help. He alone can rescue me from the traps of my enemies. <clears throat> and I want to focus on that, just that word there for a moment. Friendship with the Lord is reserved for those who fear the Lord. There is no way that you're going to get to know God in an intimate and personal level if you don't deeply, deeply, deeply respect Him. He won't let Himself be known by you. There's, an, there's a, version in the, in a, a verse in the Gospels, and Jesus put it this way, He does not cast His pearl before swine. Now, you know, you read that verse, you know, what is that verse? What does that mean? What is its relevance? Its relevance is this. Pigs don't care about jewelry. The parallel 
is that God does not throw out His jewels. He does not allow Himself to be known by those who do not deeply want to know Him and respect Him. You won't know Him. Now, you may know Him as your Savior, and you may die and go to heaven, but you don't know Him. And that would be a great tragedy. It's really no different than the tragedy of a mother, father. They get married, they have a child. And their life is so busy, they don't know the child. Columbine happened because the parent, one of the reasons, didn't know the child. Why? Because they didn't have time to want to know the child. The child wasn't important enough for them to change their busy life, to alter the schedule, to know them as a person, to value them as a human being. <coughs> so, you never know them. And I know many, many Christians, I'll just tell this right now, the strength of your character and the strength with which you face life is, is, the revelation to us of how deeply you know God. That tells a person they know God. They know God. Look at the strength with which they handle life. Look at the way with which they handle that situation. Look at the wisdom. They know God. That's how you know. You can also know about yourself. I don't know the Lord very well. Don't mope about it. Don't be sad about it. Go after God. Go after God. I'll tell you another thing in life. You can't. You don't sit around and mope. If I recognize something in my marriage, you know, I told you this a few weeks, months ago, but, you know, I just never made it a habit to pray with Kathy. I'm not proud of that. It's just the truth. And, uh, you know, it didn't mean I didn't pray. I pray a lot. And Kathy prays a lot. I'm saying we just never made it, I never made it a habit to sit down on a couch side by side or on the bed side by side, taking her hand gently and praying. Well, now I'm a pastor. So this summer, I thought to myself, you know what, I ain't open about this anymore. I ain't open about it at all. I'm going to do something about it. I'm going to force myself, whether she wants to or I want to, it's going to gently say, sweetheart, could we just pray? And since our schedules are funny, and I just don't even worry if it's a set time. If I didn't do it in the morning, I'll walk up for lunch. If I didn't do it then, late at night, when she's getting ready and we're getting ready to go to bed, I say, Kathy, can we just pray? And I thank the Lord for her, and I thank the Lord for her life, and I thank the Lord for the impact it's had on me, and I thank the Lord for our children, and I commit to him a few of our concerns. I don't go off you know, on a 30-minute prayer, and I don't try to instruct her and say, Oh, Lord, just work on her hard heart. And I just I just pray, Lord, that she'd give me the love that you know I need. She's been holding back on me, Lord. You know, I don't do that kind of stuff. I just thank the Lord for my wife. And usually I focus on her concerns, whether it's schooling the children or an upcoming thing that she's sharing at. And I don't worry about mine. And then I just, again, thank you, Lord, for giving me 20 years with this woman. And I just ask you to give us another 20 together. And Lord, just help me to love her more. Help us just to fall more in love each day with each day that goes by. In Jesus' name, amen. And all in my day. Brother and sister, don't mope that, oh, I just know Mark, I don't know, oh, I don't know the Lord like I don't know the Lord. Don't cry about it. Do something about it. Crying can do nothing about it. Go get up tomorrow morning. Get up 30 minutes earlier. It takes time to know the Lord. Open up your Bible with a little more vigor and speak it out loud and read that psalm. Or if you're going to pray, I'm going to get to that in a minute, Tell the Lord with a little more enthusiasm, I love you, Lord. 
Thank you, Lord. Say, I always, I love this about Spencer. I love his enthusiasm. I love, you know, you think, oh, he just does those little ad libs and then little ad libs. They're really how he feels. An expression of, thank you, Lord, for saving me. Thank you, Lord, for saving me. And that, that's that's what you want. You want enthusiasm. You want earnestness from a person's heart. Number three. Psalm 25, 1. To you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. I trust in you, my God. You must experience Him in the arena of real life by trusting Him and taking Him at His word and acting on His promises and commands. One of the reasons I've come to know the Lord to the degree that I have is that I've experienced Him in my life in the arena of real life where it was scary. I didn't know, because I'm not God, what the outcome would be. But I knew by faith what the outcome would be because I trusted His word I obeyed the command. I put my hope in the promise. And guess what? I know from experience that God is faithful. I know from experience that God is good. I know from experience that God is powerful. I don't have to just read in the Bible. I know it. But the way you know that, the way you learn that, and get into that experiential stuff is when kind of like Indiana Jones, when the one he was in with Sean Connery, and he's the Holy Grail one, and his dad's laying there bleeding at the front of the cave, and he's running the gauntlet, and he comes to that great chasm, and he's leaning over, and he says something like, you know, and and they walk by faith and not by sight or something, and so it scares him to death, and he steps out, and as he steps, the bridge appears. Now, you could have stood there all day and been scared to death, and I, you could understand that, but if you want the life Indiana Jones has for God, then you're not going to have to step out on some limbs. And you know what they're going to look like? They're going to break. And it's going to be scary. And you're going to find out, oh my gosh, God did it. He did it. He did just what He said. I trusted Him. I obeyed Him. And He did what He said. And the last one, the fourth one, is uh, you can never be close to someone. I could have put these in order. You can never be close to someone you don't listen to. That's number one. Listen to His Word. You can never know or know someone. You can never know someone that you don't respect and honor. You can never know someone that you don't trust. That's number three. The fourth is you can never know someone you do not communicate with. You can't. Prayer is communication with God. And one of the ways that you're going to grow closer with the Lord is as you just pour out your heart to God. And you let Him know what's on your heart. God can handle your emotions. You know, you don't have to worry about emotional outbursts with God. That's why it's good to get alone, because they can get a little noisy. And you give Him your heart, and you let Him take those burdens, and you give Him your praise, and you give Him your tears, and you give Him your expression of love. Give it to Him. It's for Him. Those are the four things. You can add to them. There may be little A's and B's to them. But if you practice those four things, you're going to get closer to the Lord. And I just want to let you know, that's what the Christian life is really about. Then you will find that loving others and being a light for Christ and being attractive, they come naturally. They come naturally to the person who's filled with the Spirit and knows God. It's not, it's not like this, I've got to beat myself, I've got to do this. It's like I'm in love with the Lord and I want to please Him and it gives you the strength and the courage that you need to do what's right. Well, I appreciate all of you coming. It's good to see all of you this evening. And uh, let's bow our heads for a word of prayer. Father, we do thank you tonight 
that you are worth being known. You are the most worthy pursuit of our lives. And Lord, I confess, I want to know you more. I want to know you more deeply. I want to understand you better. I know there are so many things in my future that you want me to trust you for. I'm going to need to know you better to do that. I'm going to need to step out on that that bridge that doesn't seem like it's there and expect you for more. Lord, I, I just pray that you'd work in my own heart and that our relationship would go deeper. And I pray that for each of my brothers and sisters here this evening, that you'd bless them, that you'd bless their life, and that please, God, please, work in our heart and help us to, if we need to repent, by that I mean just turn from these vain things that so often we consume our life and take us away from you. Help us, Lord, to be vibrant and fresh in our love, not only for you, but for each other. And to love each other intensely and to keep the fire hot. To keep adding logs to our spiritual fire so that we're hot in our relationship with you. Thanks again, Lord, for this place. Thank you, Lord, for the chance to worship you together with my, my family. In Jesus' name, amen.